Hi everyone and welcome to the Global Health Collective. I'm your host Shania Bopa. I'm a PhD student, wellness blogger, and co-founder of the GTA nonprofit, the Canadian Courage Project. Season 4 is all about highlighting women from around the world that are living balanced lives while managing a full career and their own personal lives. Balance is possible and I can't wait for us to hear the inspiration together. Hi everyone, I'm here with Dr. Jean Chamberlain and we have a very insightful, motivating and I think pretty honest and open conversation ready for everyone today. Hi Jean. Hi, thanks for having me Shana, I really appreciate it. Yeah, tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what brought you here today. Great. Well, thanks again for the opportunity to share with you this morning. Uh, sort of from a professional point of view, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist and professor at McMaster. And uh, I, I say to people, if they don't know what obstetrics and gynecology is, it's uh, catching babies and lady surgery. That's our women's surgery. That's uh, what I do. And I've um, been doing that now. Actually, I've been at McMaster for 25 years uh, officially, but I've spent a large part of that um, uh, overseas. Um, I spent five years in Yemen uh, working as an OBGYN there and then another uh, 12 years in Uganda helping to get a program uh, started called Save the Mothers. Um, my interest really was in global women's health. Um, I worked here in Hamilton McMaster from 96 to 2000 and you know had a great experience seeing uh, women here and caring for women and their families here but really within the background of my mind having had some exposure overseas really realizing there's this huge gap between the healthcare of women in some parts of the world and in other parts of the world and it just seemed like it would just seem like the disparity was so great and what could we do to to um, see a difference in that uh, but so that's kind of my professional part of my life um, on a personal part uh, point um, I'm married uh, to Thomas Froze so um, socially, my name is Jean Chamberlain Froze, uh, but professionally, I just go by Jean Chamberlain because that's officially what I'm with the college. Um, but uh, my husband is a journalist and he's taught me a lot about writing, about learning to communicate, how to get the message out there. And I think with my uh, world of advocacy and being involved in trying to speak for, for women and their families, um, that's really, really helped me a lot. And um, uh, it's been wonderful. It's our career. We've been married now 20 years and um, really for us to be able to build on each other's career. Um, I've had uh, two books published and getting a third one published and certainly Tom's been a big help behind the scenes giving me ideas and just reflections. Uh, you want to be careful you don't um, uh, have your your partner too much involved in what you're doing for their sake and your sake and your relationship so but at the same time I think his, his input's been fantastic and really really helpful and um, so he writes for the Hamlin Spectator and um, and does some teaching as well to at Redeemer. Uh, we have three beautiful kids. Um, Hannah is 15, John's 16 and Liz is 18 and uh, again having children really helps you to see a different uh, part of life. It keeps you young. It keeps you involved with uh, sort of what's going on out there. You're certainly, uh, you know, you're, you're given the reflections of the things you might be doing right and wrong, which is, which is good. Keeps you, keeps you humble for sure. But, you know, we're a very athletic family. We enjoy uh, biking and doing lots of fun things together. I, we have a little cross trainer here at the house, which I appreciate. And I find that that exercise really helps me as well too with the stresses of um, my work. Um, obstetrics is a wonderful uh, special to be in. Um, it's a privilege to be at people's deliveries, but it can also be a tremendously tragic time as well to people who have a really, really unexpected outcome and uh, a tragedy. So, you know, you just have to emotionally be ready for that. I find certainly uh, getting exercise is important to that and be able to 
keep doing the work that I'm doing physically as well too. Um, my faith life, life is very important to me as well too, as a family that's important part, keeps us anchored, keeps us sort of, um, you know, what, what, what direction do we want to be going as a family, what's important to us. And then I also do a lot of music as well too. I enjoy piano and um, encourage my kids in that as well too. And uh, so, yeah, I think those would be sort of the parts of my life uh, that I would, uh, um, you know, really see as an important uh, part of who I am. Amazing. And I have two questions. First question is professionally, what drew you to obstetrics? What, what inspired you to enter the field that you're currently in? Well, the interesting thing is that I, Shania, just uh, encourage younger people to always keep a bit of an open mind and just, um, ready to sort of make a 90 degree turn sometimes. Um, I had always um, anticipated I was going to do pediatrics. And so as a medical student, I was doing all these electives in pediatrics, this and anesthesia, pediatrics, uh, neurosurgery, pediatric orthopedics. And I don't think really, I really realized at the time that it was actually the surgical part of those specialties that I really enjoyed. I, I finished my uh, rotation as an intern. I was at, when I was going through medical school at the time, uh, you still had an official internship. So you kind of had an extra year after medical school to decide what you want to be when you grow up. And uh, I finished my pediatric rotation. I sort of realized, you know, I really don't love this. I mean, you know, these snotty nosed little kids and their parents that are so difficult to deal with. And of course, now that I'm a parent, I totally <laughs> understand those difficult parents. But I all of a sudden realized, you know, I really enjoyed my obstetrics rotation. Um, you know, I should maybe give that some thought. And I also had always in the back of my mind anticipated I was going to do some global work. That was sort of my goal was, you know, I've been ex exposed from a very young age of people who had spent their careers overseas and uh, through our home and through um, our faith community. And so I, I, I think that was always in the back of my mind, what, what is practical to do in a global environment? And I thought, well, you know, women, you know, obstetrics and gynecology, that sounds like a good thing. And, um, you know, in retrospect, I, Shania, it, it was, it was profound that that's what I ended up doing because it was right at the time when women's health was starting to gain some momentum around the world, you know, back in the early nineties, uh, 585,000 women were dying every single year of pregnancy related complications, like over half a million women. And nobody even knew about it. Like it wasn't even getting international news. So I was, my career just happened to start at around the time when it was starting to gain that momentum and allowed me to get involved as a young physician. You know, I didn't have a lot of strings attached at the time I was single. I was, I just had my career ahead of me. And so it was really, really timely that I ended up getting involved in um, OBGYN, women's health. And um, yeah, and I, I've never looked back. And I, I think the thing I like about obstetrics and gynecology is you do have the surgery, you're doing cesarean sections, you're doing, you know, hysterectomies, all those sorts of things. So you're doing surgical, but then you also have you know, that patient relationship with people. I mean, you really get to know your patients well after nine months, you've walked this journey with them and then they come back the second time for their second kid or third kid or whatever. And you really feel like you're part of their family. And, uh, you know, again, just being a patient and mother myself, I, I know how much, you know, I leaned into my own physician and here I am a physician myself, but you really realize that's a really special privilege to be. So I think for me, that's just my personality. I really enjoy people and uh, getting to know people. So I think it's been a really good thing, but it's also been something that I've really been able to use overseas. But all that to say, I just really encourage everyone to sort of think about that, that sometimes what you think is your goal, as you get closer to it, you realize it's drawn you in a direction, but then you make a little side direction and and I, I find globally now it's people who sort of have two areas of um, expertise are really the ones who can have a biggest impact. Um, like actually I did my master's in education after I finished my OBGYN. So my focus has been on 
education advocacy in women's health. And um, so I think that that's been uh, really important too to have that, that second part of it as well. And I like that you mentioned having it, pretty much having an open mind and taking a risk, especially as a young physician, and not just kind of, I think some of us might feel sometimes that we're like giving up on a goal. Like you might've had that goal of being a pediatrician, but you're not giving up on your goal. You're having an open mind and going where your interests actually are taking you. And I think that's really important when you are in your early twenties, trying to figure out exactly what you want to do. And I, I'm, I'm curious to know, you mentioned um, that there were some people that may have inspired you to take your work global. Like, is there any particular person specifically that may have inspired that ambition? Yeah. I mean, I think there's a whole range of people, um, uh, like I even, we had some friends over last night uh, that have been working in Angola for 40 years. And, you know, I've seen people like that, that have, uh, you know, gone to a place that's really, really needy and have really had a huge uh, impact. They've had a family there. Uh, they kept ties with people uh, here in North America as well to uh, Dr. Steve Foster. He was actually the first, <laughs> from the first graduating class of McMaster University. Um, so I think, you know, people like that have really, really inspired me. Um, I think of um, others that um, uh, actually Steve has a cousin, Ken Foster, and his wife who had gone to um, actually have gone to Afghanistan and um, and they would come back every summer and um, and work here. He should go up to Huntsville, actually. So he'd work there as an orthopedic uh, physician and then they'd go back. And I think those kinds of um, people really helped me to sort of say, OK, now there's an interesting idea is to work overseas for nine months of the year and then come back for the summer. And so that's what I ended up doing for the 17 years that I worked overseas. We would come back every summer. I would come back and, and when people have their holidays, I would pick up for this doctor, pick up for that doctor. So it was help those physicians because they needed somebody to cover for them who already knew the system. I was always working at St. Joseph's Hospital. So it was it was a really good um good thing for me to see that template as well of, of how to how to how to figure out your life on a long-term basis because I think that's the one thing is it's kind of that marathon run how do you sort of keep um keep going and keep it um sustainable uh you know again if you're gonna have children and stuff like that I mean you you've got to be able to put bread on the on the on the table as well too so so how can you actually continue on with your career financially keep afloat and still really you know, enjoy and love doing the things that you want to do. I agree with you. And one thing that I think about sometimes is finding that balance between loving what I'm doing, making sure it's something sustainable that I might love for my life course, and being able to have that free time that I can spend with my loved ones and finding that balance of just like prioritizing all facets of life. Because I think um, someone like me, for, for example, I love working and I could probably work all day but it's not obviously not the most healthy thing to do. And I think prioritizing relationships, even from now is a good habit to have, um, especially once I reach my, my like early 30s. Yeah. And I'm curious to know yeah. what were, like, did you have any barriers as a woman entering the field that you were um, at the time that you did? And like, what was the most challenging barrier that you might've come across and how did you overcome it? I think, you know, a lot of times it's sometimes in our own heads, actually, um, because we sometimes feel like people don't feel like we're good enough. And you know what, sometimes they do feel that way. Sometimes, you know, I'm a small Caucasian woman who doesn't necessarily have a great presence when I walk in the room, like people sort of like, oh, they're Jean, you know, 
And, um, and so, but it can get into your own head a little bit. And it's sort of like, well, am I good enough? You know, I, I, I remember my early days, you know, I at St. Joseph's hospital. And um, I, at that time, I actually had quite a young face. And um, I remember I had just started my practice and I happened to have a medical student working with me, this big, tall, you know, good looking guy. And the patient walked in and she literally didn't know who the doctor was. And I mean, excuse me, I am the obstetrician. This is the student. And uh, I obviously didn't say it that way, but in my mind, that was what I was sort of thinking. And, um, you know, again, you start to sort of say to yourself, well, you know, am I good enough? Do I have that presence? Um, but I think, you know, again, just having that confidence in, in what, what your skills are, not being overconfident, but just sort of saying, you know, no, actually, I've trained as an OBGYN. I have the skills that I need and I'm going to use those. Uh, but I think the big thing for me really was having mentors in my own life really helped and pushed me forward and sort of gave me that confidence. I mean, everybody's personalities are a little bit different. My husband loves doing a lot of studies about different personalities and the traits and all that sort of stuff. And um, there's a real science behind it, actually. And it's, it's very, um, it's very interesting to look at. But all that to say is, you know, my personality probably isn't to sort of, you know, um, sort of be out there. Uh, but I think some of um, my early mentors really gave me those kinds of opportunities. Like, for instance, the Society of OBGYNs of Canada, um, they're, you know, quite a large organization, obviously, in the Canadian voice for OBGYNs. And, you know, they had me go and present papers. I mean, I would do the research with this uh, mentor. I mean, he was probably doing all the work and I would just sort of stand up and give the talk. I mean, obviously you're, you're very much participating in it, but I mean, he could have done it himself and he probably would have done a much better job than me, but he sort of forced me, his name is Dr. John, uh, Jeff Nisker sort of forced me to get to the front and to learn what that meant. And then he ended up getting on committees with the SOGC and other committees, the uh, uh, Federation of International Gynecologists and Obstetricians, Figo, I participated in some of their meetings. And so those kinds of opportunities sort of helped you to get the confidence. Okay, you know what? I can sit around the table with all of these experts and they, I actually have something to contribute. Because uh, even this week, I, I had a medical student and, um, you know, she's very much a medical student learning how to do the things that, you know, I can do with my high school. Kind of thing. But, you know, there happened to be a clinical question that, that I didn't know, a colleague of mine didn't know, and she popped up with the answer. We're like, oh, good for you. And, and so just a reminder, no matter who we are, we've got knowledge, we've got skills, we've got insights, and none of us have attained the end. And um, so I think, again, just um, recognizing, okay, maybe people don't see what my value is, but if I quietly stay here and, and contribute in a positive way, not sort of trying to grab the forefront, but just being a voice there as I am able, all of a sudden then people start to trust you. And um, trust isn't something we can demand from other people. Um, trust and confidence, we have to, we have to earn it. And I, that, that takes time. So I think that for me was, has been a real help is having those mentors um, bring me on and, and yet as the process myself, just walking through it and, and re recognizing people aren't necessarily going to have confidence in me, but over time, uh, if I hang in there, they, they will. And I think one thing I think of from everything you kind of just said is that you really do become what you believe. And so I think fostering that confidence and your self-esteem, your self-schema, your perception of yourself is so essential to just yeah. every facet of your life, whether it's professional or your mm -hmm. confidence in being a mother or being a friend yeah. or being a, a sibling. Um, and yeah. I think that's something that we often overlook in terms of something that you need to foster you you don't just yeah. wake up one day feeling confident yeah. you you really do have to work yeah. on it to some degree and yeah. I'm curious to know like how have you created your support support circle 
And how have you yeah. created that positive bubble around you to mm. get you where you needed to be? Well, I think for me, like the very center of who I am, I was asked this question one time and it really, it really helped me to sort of in my mind, um, uh, articulate it. And really the center line for me is, you know, that I, you know, I really feel fully believe that, you know, that I'm created, um, by God and he has a plan for my life. And I think that centeredness, that faith really helps me on a day where things are not going well, is that it's not about me being in control of everything. Like you just realize so quickly, uh, you know, just on call the other night and like things happened that were just like way out of my control and how do you keep your yourself together? Yeah, you can try to sort of bolster yourself up, but for me, just sort of like you know what, I have that confidence that you know I'm I'm created. There's a plan for my life, um, and that my daily actions, my daily interactions with other people, um, are influenced by that. And it also helps me to also recognize that those people also are created. They are also there's a plan for them in their lives. And how can I have a positive interaction with them? Not that it's always going to be a pleasant interaction with them sometimes there's going to be conflict right but even the way I manage that conflict I don't see that person as my enemy I see that person as someone you know what we've got we got an issue we got to deal with here and how do we work together and even if they never agree with what I'm suggesting or whatever I can still respect them because I recognize they also have value they also uh, are created and uh, there's a purpose for them in their lives as well too so I think that centeredness has really helped me um, as an individual. Um, but then I think, you know, as, as you mentioned earlier, I mean, I've been really trying to be intentional about my relationships with people. I mean, I came from a very close family You know, my parents really, I mean, they've been such huge supporters uh, of my work over the years. Like every single year we came from overseas, we'd stay at my parents' place. You know, you can imagine somebody coming back with, you know, their husband and three little kids running around your house, um, you know, for weeks at a time. So they were always very, very supportive. They had actually come out and visit us. We came out to Yemen. Like there's my dear elderly parents coming out to Yemen when we lived there. They came out to Uganda uh, three times. So again, just having people like that in my life made a huge, huge difference. And then my siblings as well too. Again, my older sister and, and younger sister and brother, they've all really helped with the, the, this vision of Save the Mothers that uh, was, was started while we lived in Uganda. So I think that core really helped to give me so then now how do I how do I create that in my own next generation now I've got three kids right and you know how am I building into my kids life I mean I came home last night I literally worked for 36 hours which I normally would norm never do but circumstances and you know my kid wanted me to drive him to his friend's house you know what I mean and you're like sure honey like you know and so you know again how do I prioritize because my kid is important as everything else that I do right obviously I would drive but wasn't safe but uh, but at the same time, like just really making sure that I build into their relationships as well too, and into their, into their growth. Um, so I think, you know, as I sort of look at the, my own generation, my own kids coming through what they're going through right now as well too, making sure I have space for that, you know, even around my holidays and that sort of stuff, I very intentionally take my time off work so that when March breaks on, when the spring break is on for the university students, that's when I'm going to ask for my holidays. We're going to go and spend some time together. And, um, but I find too, I'm a bit of a night hawk, which is helpful too, because my kids tend to stay up late at night. So, you know, I try to, in the, in the evening time, be around. I'm not necessarily, they don't want me hovering, uh, but, but just sort of around so that when my daughter comes down and sort of says, do you know what happened to today at school? Or, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, this is really bothering you. I'm, hey, mom, I need your help with this math. I've got the space. I don't necessarily have the me mental capacity more for all the algebra, but 
but just to be able to, to do that as well too. And you know, my husband and I, we go on date nights together, like tomorrow night, you know, we're going to go out for a little dinner or whatever. Just again, just, it's like, you got to be like a farmer. Actually, my parents were living on a farm when I was born and a lot of my relatives were farmers and you really realize you have to have, got to sow the seed, you got to tend it and then you got to wait for the crop. And if you sort of feel like our society is so instantaneous, you know, like I, we all love our mobile phones, but you know, it, the, the challenge is that everything we feel has to be instant. And uh, again, when you live in other cultures, you realize that is not the case. Like when we live in Uganda, you weren't looking at stuff that was instant. And so it helped you to just sort of, you know, maybe slow down your expectations a little bit. So I, I think that's going to be one of the bigger challenges for young people as they sort of go into the next phases of their life is, you know, as you mentioned, relationships are not instantaneous. Okay, yeah, maybe you meet somebody that you immediately connect with, but then that's the immediate connection. How do you over time, you know, foster that? And, you know, there's ups and downs. I mean, I'm a night hawk. My husband is not a night hawk. Um, you know, he's very um, creative. He's very organized. I'm not super creative. I'm not super organized. So, you know, you have to figure out um, how do we work with our differences. And, you know, um, when, you know, people have relationships that break down, it, it takes so much of your emotional energy, so much of your emotional energy. And so how do we, um, how do we prevent that? And, you know, in this generation of trying to prevent disease, you know, try to prevent all the things that we take our vaccinations for, um, you know, how do we prevent these kind of breakdowns in our relationships? And I think my encouragement to everybody listening is just that importance of it takes the time and the emotional energy to do that. And if you have a relationship breakdown in your life, it will affect everything in your life. And, um, and it happens. It happens. Like, I mean, it's happened in my own family. I, I close people to me. But, you know, as much as we can to try to sort of be able to, to go through those to get the help that you need the counseling, just the, the time together. Yeah. And I think what, what I've gathered from your insight, it, having resilience, being motivated to foster mm -hmm. relationships and foster mm -hmm. areas of growth, whether that be professional, social, uh, in mm -hmm. your romantic relationships, yeah. uh, having that, I think almost like long-term planning instinct, yeah. if, if it is yeah. an instinct, but the idea that like, what is happening in your life right now, if you aren't acknowledging the gaps and the strengths um, and everything in between, you will not, I guess, create the life that you hope to live in 10 years from now or five years from now. And I think it's being intentional with where you're spending your energy and understanding how you're spending that energy and how it's making you feel. And so my, my question for you is, how do you foster resilience within yourself and within your your ecosystem within your family mm -hmm. yeah well I probably would just circle back to the things that I've uh, said like I for sure um, just spending that time <clears throat> focusing on my faith as well too like when I have a bad day you know I read from the psalms I just and I, I do that every day it's but certainly on the bad days and um, in particular but I think that just getting that hope from there um, I think, again, you know, just having a few good people that you can talk to about it. Like, I think sometimes we talk to too many people about it. That doesn't necessarily help. Like, I think, you know, there's been times in my own career where, you know, things have really happened that have been really devastating. And I, I choose carefully who I talk to about it. Uh, because sometimes, you know, the more you sort of 
turn it up, it, it bothers you. And then also people start get talking about the situation as well too. So I think, you know, you just sort of have to be careful about who you talk to about it and sort of in a moment where you can really talk about it and you can really get some input and um, help. You know, sometimes there's good advisors that you can go to people who, um, you know, have the expertise and, you know, you don't need to take a lot of time, but just sort of, you know, half an hour just to sit down and chat with them about like, what would you do in this situation and get good wise counsel? Because I think wise counsel is so important. Um, you know, we've all, we've all <laughs> been guilty of getting an email and just firing something right back to the person or to the organization or whatever. And later you sort of think to yourself, I'm not sure... I, that was the best thing to do. I needed to sort of step back a little bit and, and take some time. And I think when people are in the heat of the moment, it's not the time to sort of deal with the issues. Sometimes obviously things need to be said at a certain time, but when there's a real um, bigger issue, it's better to sort of take that time to, 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 to think it through, think what you're going to say, get some wise guidance on it and um and just you know go on your exercise bike for a little while or whatever you need to do for a walk and just and get that get that headspace because your headspace is so important i mean i've seen people lose it um in front of everybody and everybody's sort of like oh you know like they just they don't kind of know how to process it and you sort of feel bad for the person and you know that's not who they were but because they didn't have the strength at the moment to sort of be able to keep themselves um then you know it, it, it wasn't the best outcome for them and I'm curious to know, what would be your one piece of advice to your younger self in regards to finding balance? Well, I think um, it's the sort of that marathon approach that, um, you know, if this particular thing that I'm so disappointed hasn't worked out right now, it's okay. Like there is the whole marathon ahead of me and I need to keep my eye on the goal at the end. And so don't spend so much time and energy and emotional space with being disappointed right now. Yes, I'm disappointed. Yes, this didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but it is a marathon. And um, that would probably have helped my younger self because I probably was angst <laughs> about some things in those times. And um, having said that, I mean, we're all human beings. We all cry. We all bleed. We all, you know, so that's okay to kind of go through that, but then to sort of say, okay, that's behind me now. I've still got the rest of the race ahead of me. Um, even if I took a major detour, um, you know, I'm going to keep, keep on going in, in that race. So I think that would be, um, you know, sort of saying what, what is the issue? And for me, it's been about women's health internationally, globally. Like it is, it is an absolute human tragedy that women are dying in 2021 of total preventable complications of pregnancy around the world. You know, like every single day, four jumbo jets of women that are crashing and dying of preventable pregnancy complications. And so for me, I, I can't get that out of my mind. That, that to me is the goal in my personal career and my life is sort of say, how can I put my voice uh, behind that? And that's really why we started the Save the Mothers program was to train, you know, local indigenous leaders uh, to speak out and to, to become involved in safe motherhood in, in East Africa. And um, so, you know, but that's my long-term goal, but, you know, sometimes there's been some things along the way that I've been disappointed in, but I just got to keep that as the goal. And I think you've kind of already answered my next question about what is your purpose that grounds your daily actions. Yeah. Um, but if you'd like to expand on that thought, like yeah, do, you, yeah. do you believe that there's, you have one purpose or do you believe that your purpose changes based on the activity that you're engaging in? Well, I think 
my purpose and each one of our purposes is like it it is to be and and as we're being to be doing things that are helping someone else that is around us and you know there's no greater happiness you can have in your life than than to help somebody else you know i it, it sounds funny but i you know i I volunteer with the Salvation Army on uh, some Thursday nights. We go out and give uh, food in this little food truck uh, downtown Hamilton. And, you know, I just, I just love doing that. I, it's, it's a total volunteer thing. Like when I'm, when I'm an OBGYN, I actually get paid for what I do. So, I mean, I'm getting paid. It's my job, right? When I go out and do that volunteer, I mean, you're just, you're meeting people that are on like a very different part of the world than you are. And in some little ways, you know, they're the most polite people. They all say thank you and whatever. You give them a little bit of encouragement, you know, hope you have a great day or whatever. And for me, um, you know, it's being there. And as I'm being, I'm doing. And um, so whether it's on the food truck or whether I'm in the emergency department in uh, uh, St. Joseph's Hospital trying to help some woman who's got an ectopic pregnancy and literally going to die if she doesn't have surgery immediately. You know, all of those, it's the doing, it's the being and the doing. And um and as I do those things, I also get a lot of joy of that as well, too. And so that would be my encouragement to each one of you as well, too, is the, is the being. And again, I just come back to the being for me is just knowing who I am before God that I like I can't do it on my own. I just I literally look to him for the strength. And then then I just then I can do. Um, and even if things don't turn out the way I want them to, it's OK, because the who who I am is 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 already established and um, I can't control everything but I can do what I can do and, and I think that that keeps me grounded um, over the long long term because you know it's funny your life goes by quickly on many levels but it is a day by day by day experience as well too and you know I just blink and I I mean I was in my early 30s when I came to, to McMaster and boom here I am now like a lot of years later and I love what I do and I still love what I do and um I just really encourage all of you as well, too, as you sort of look to your career to just making those little important, small uh, choices and, um, you know, spending that time as well to outside of what is, is considered your professional work um, to, you know, to keep, keep yourself healthy as well, too. So and that's really, really helped me over the long marathon. Yeah, I think I think it's so inspiring. You are so grounded in like your personal philosophy that you can tell that it it is reflecting in all of your activities on a daily basis, whether that be work-related, volunteer-related, or just kind of the way that you are, are speaking today to everyone here listening on this mm. podcast. And it's so admirable. And like, I think, I don't know, I find it so beautiful when I meet individuals like yourself, you've had such a successful career on paper. You've done amazing things that I think a lot of people like, like myself and like people listening dream of doing, um, but you're still so grounded in why and, and your intentions as to why you are doing what you're doing. And I think that's something super important that your intentions have been pretty much the same your, your whole career and you've been grounded in this one intention, but it's just kind of grown and evolved and developed over time, over the marathon. Um, and on, on that note, I think, my last question for you is, do you have a quote or a saying or a phrase that you live by? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it's actually from Proverbs, Proverbs 31. So uh, King Solomon, he said, you know, speak for those who have no voice, for the rights of all who um, are in need, for, for those who are oppressed. And I think for me, speaking for those who have no voice, like for me, it's women in, in the developing world who 
low, low middle income, income countries who, who can't speak for themselves and literally are dying. And you sort of think to yourself, 21st century, that should not be happening. So I think speaking for those who have no voice, and we all can do that wherever, it doesn't matter where we are uh, in our own communities, there's people who can't speak for themselves. And, and we're very privileged. I mean, we as Canadians live in the top 0.1% of the world. Like we can walk into a hospital and not have to worry about what it's going to cost us. Uh, there's, and I'm not saying there aren't lots of needy Canadians, of course there are, and we just want to do everything we can do to help those people. But when you look around the world, uh, we are very, very privileged with the system that we live in, imperfect as it is. So I think using what we have to speak for those who have no voice is, is a great privilege. And as you do those things, Shania, it's the little things. You know, you can look at the bigger things that I've been able to accomplish in my life, but those bigger things are made out of small blocks. You didn't, we didn't start Save the Mothers out of one big, huge day. Like it was lots and lots and lots of little building blocks, uh, lots of steps in the marathon uh, that got us there. And so that's why I encourage each one of you guys to not just sort of think, oh my gosh, I'll never be able to do that. No, you're gonna start as, you know, I'm a little simple farm girl, you know what I mean? And I've just kept at it. Um, you know, I'm that little woman that walks in the room that nobody pays attention to, but you stay there long enough. So people trust you, people um, respect you, and then you have a voice and you can speak for those who don't have one. Mm -hmm. I, I really do believe you don't look at the full staircase. You look at every right. step that you need to take to get to the top of the, That's right. the full staircase. And so right. I think, thank you so much for offering your insight and your motivation and your inspiration and obviously this episode will be uploaded on a Wednesday but for everyone like this is a Saturday morning uh, Dr. Chamberlain took the time out of her weekend to just be here with everyone offering her insight because again and a motivation for this podcast is remembering that there are people behind these amazing success stories there are people with intentions and purpose and love and compassion and responsibility that are driving all of these actions forward and remembering that we are all people as well and we all have various mm -hmm. different goals but being compassionate with one another and really going through life observing and gaining perspectives from everyone whether they're in your field or not and making that an important I think pillar that you have and grounding yourself moving forward but I want to say thank you to everyone who's listened and thank you, Dr. Chamberlain, for being here today. Thanks so much, Shania. All the best.